Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Duran, and welcome to our third episode of Jerry Talks. Today, our plan is to talk about caregiving in the U.S. Uh, here with me, Adrian. How are you? Good morning. Hey, good morning, doctor. Adrian, we have a very special guest. We have uh, Alexis uh, Ramirez. Um, you know, let me tell you a little bit about Alexis here, guys. So Alexis is the program volunteer manager for the Alzheimer's Association in Mexico chapter. Alexis provides programs, services, and education for the community around the state. She's a native of New Mexico and has worked in a nonprofit community in Las Cruces as a cancer and research assistant. She also has experience with program and case management for the last four years. She received a bachelor's degree in, the, in public health from the New Mexico State University with a focus in community health, outreach, and cancer research. Alexis has a personal connection to the disease, as she has a lot of family members to this disease. It's her mission to one day prevent and cure Alzheimer's and related dementias. Alexis, thank you very much for coming today. Thank you for having me. Alexis, you know, obviously, we, um, you have been involved in the Alzheimer's Association since the moment that I, since, since I have been here in Las Cruces. Mm -hmm. and, um, and obviously, you, um, you guys, as the Alzheimer's Association, have a lot of programs related to the caregivers caregivers and uh, and different programs to to help these caregivers but you know besides before we go there alexis i want you to tell us a little bit more about these stories about some family connection how you ended up in the alzheimer's association how they ended up in this role well i it kind of fell into my lap in a weird way um when i was in i think my first or second year of college I found out that my grandmother was diagnosed with a disease and she had it for already like a couple of years, but I didn't start noticing it till maybe when she was like in her middle stage. And then, um, so I didn't really know much about it at all. And then it wasn't until I graduated and she already had passed where I started to question, like I started to see Alzheimer's come up more, dementia, caregiving, all of these things that I've never really heard about. And my family went through it. So I, you know, was doing research at the university um, for colorectal cancer at the time. And so after graduation, I was like, well, what's my next step? Like, what am I going to do? And then I happened to, there was a position open at the association here in Las Cruces. And I, I decided to apply and sure enough, I got the job. So it kind of Kind of all the stars aligned, I guess you can say. Great. And, and mm -hmm. what about you, Adrian? What, how long have you met Alexis? So I've known Alexis since she started with the organization. She was actually uh, our, our very most sought-after candidate when we started going through all the applications and the resumes. We, we told ourselves, we, we need to have her. This girl is bringing so much uh, experience coming from her background in, with uh, uh, public health that the association would be proud to be able to have someone like her. And we are. She, she's proven us correct 100,000%. You know, when, when it comes to, to caregiving, you know, for sure, you know, there's a lot of problems related, not only social, financially, um, you know, you know, not only to the caregiver, uh, but also to the caregiver recipient. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's an estimated that there's like 43.5 million caregivers currently in the United States. And, you know, the problem, you know, is the age of these caregivers, you know, and I, I want to divide, you know, they're usually there's. Two people, you know, uh, two different people that they're they're actually caregivers for. You have, mm -hmm. you know, you need to understand that, you know, first of all, most of them they're females. Not only mm -hmm. they're caregivers, but also the caregiver recipients. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, you have the typical, you know, they have typical two different caregivers. You know, the or the ones that I see the most. You have the wife that cares, you know, there's a caregiver for the husband or mm -hmm. the husband that is the caregiver, of the wife, mm -hmm. or you have the daughter. That is a caregiver for mom or dad. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and they both experience different uh, situations, you know, when it comes, you know, when it comes financially, psychological, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I guess, you know, the ones that, you know, we, we obviously we see them, you know, we see both uh, uh, here in my practice. And um, the concern is that, you know, also these caregivers, they're getting older, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. not only they're, they're not, not only the people that they're taking care of, they're getting older, but they're also sometimes, you know, I always people come and I see the wife that they're taking care of the husband and I realize, hey, you're not a teenager anymore. And the effort mm -hmm. physically and emotionally that, you know, it requires to take care right. of these patients, especially for patients with Alzheimer's, exactly. it, is, uh, it, it is really demanding. So obviously, Alexis, you know, from the Alzheimer's Association, mm -hmm. you obviously have seen this, 
you know, a little bit more in the in the close side. What are your what are the main things that you know people come to you and brought a and brought us concerns as you know being their caregivers? I think when caregivers come to the association, they're pretty lost. They don't know where to even start to begin. They know that they have a loved one who's been diagnosed or just diagnosed and they're struggling. You know, what's what is that disease going to look like for my loved one? What are they going to go through? What issues are they going to be going through? How am I going to be able to tackle it? How am I going to be able to get resources and things like that? So, um, you know, it's important that my main job is making sure that they have the guidance that they need to make sure that their needs are met for them and their loved one, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, when we talked of our caregiver, you know, 80% of these people are taking care of a family member. It means yeah. the mom, the dad, you know, the husband. Mm -hmm. And the reality, the amount of hours that they put into this work is tremendous. You know, you're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, it can go from 20 to 40 hours a week. It's a full-time job mm -hmm. for a lot of these people. And especially when it comes to, you know, for older adults, you know, I guess mm -hmm. uh, when the husband take care of the uh, wife, take care of the husband, or husband take care of the wife, you know, I think the amount of, uh, you know, potentially financial stress and emotional stress that they suffer on a daily basis, right. yeah. it, it is really concerning. You know, people come here to me, you know, every, you know, every day and they, they I can see their frustration, their stress, they, they're not able to like, not, not knowing what to do next. Uh, and, right. uh, and eventually for some of these people, as we probably going to talk later, there's really nobody else to take care of them. So they mm -hmm. really don't have like a s option B here. Right. And, yeah. um, and that's obviously a concern compared to the mother, you know, the daughters that they take care of mom and dad, you know, they suffer from other situations because they, they're also, some of them, they have a family, they have a life and they do have a job. And I yeah. think one of the main concerns that, you know, especially for the long term, you know, uh, in the economy of the United States is the amount of hours that they know their caregivers are losing, you know, because mm -hmm. of uh, taking care of mom and dad. Oh, yeah. So what, what are you, um, you know, when it comes to that, do you... Does people come concerned about, you know, you know, obviously losing hours, you know, potentially missing work? Uh... Right. Yeah. A big concern. I mean, I just taught a class earlier and this um, um, woman is taking care of her husband and she's 79 years old and she's going to be 80 pretty soon. And she says, as I'm getting older, as we're both getting older and he has the disease, how am I, you know, if he falls, how am I going to be able to that to do that? You know, help him up. What? She's worried about what the future is going to look like. And, it's a fear of the unknown. Oh, yeah. Right? What they yeah. don't know, they don't know, and they're afraid mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, for sure. And so it's important that, I mean, for me at the associate, because I've seen it, you know, my dad, um, you know, granted his, his mom had the disease and my aunt was the primary caregiver. I mean, it affected the whole family. You know, granted, she didn't live with us, but in some scope, it affected my dad, the, you know, his job, you know, being able to function throughout the day and the stresses of like, well, is she going to have a good day today? Is she going to have a bad day today? You know, it's, it's a lot of stress that caregivers go through a lot. And especially because, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're mm -hmm. taking care of a family member, you know, this at uh, the same thing, you don't know for how long it's going to be, right? You know, it could be months, it could be years, actually, you know, mm -hmm. the average, you know, they said that 70, 75% of the people actually will be uh, five years or less with a medium of four. And, you know, and 24% mm -hmm. could be potentially even more than five years. Mm -hmm. So obviously the duration of time, you know, that eventually you will be a caregiver is nothing that, you know, obviously it's unpredictable, but obviously it may take years to come uh, uh, in the next years. And mm -hmm. all that time takes money, right? Because right. We're, we're taking time out of jobs to take care of our loved ones or we're quitting our jobs. So, you know, mm -hmm. the numbers show statistically they're, they're, they're by far losing uh, options and, and promotions. 16% uh, uh, are quitting their jobs. 20% are having to cut back to part-time from full-time. 22 mm -hmm. are taking a leave of absence at their work. So it's hitting them in a financial uh, pocket, not not just the emotional and physical stress. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, and I see. I think you know. I see. I see family members coming here, and um, you know, and really, you know, not only the financial part, but you know, obviously the family part. You know, some of these, mm -hmm. you know, some of these caregivers, they they have small kids, and they have responsibilities with their own kids, taking them to school. Um, you know, responsibilities with husband, with a house, and mm -hmm. you know, 
and uh, you know I have seen you know to be honest I have seen yeah. the, the 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 drastic situation I have seen people actually being divorced you know just for the fact that you know um, you know how caregiving for mom and dad takes over your life completely yeah. it it affects the family in a whole I mean I can tell you right now during the time when my grandmother was diagnosed my parents their relationship suffered a lot you know because first of all they didn't know really what was going on with her and you know just the confusion just i don't know what to do i don't know how to help her you know it's putting a strain on our relationship we're not making time for each other you know you have to go see your mom but i don't want to you know tell you you can't go see her type of thing so it can affect relationships essentially too yeah, no, mm -hmm. for sure it can stress. And, you know, especially because a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of the caregivers recipients, you know, they mm -hmm. live in at home with you. Mm -hmm. You know, most of them, especially the older they are, you know, they're living at home. Mom is moving in. And, uh, and you know, for sure, I always uh, I always ask, you know, when, uh, when they have a advanced dementia, you know, a family member, you know, living at home, I ask, you know, I ask their wife, uh, the, the daughter, hey, how's your husband is doing? Because, mm -hmm. you know, for sure, you know, I always kind of, concern about not only about daughter being the caregiver but the husband who lives in the same house right. how is he handling especially you know patients with dementia who have you know, a lot of uh, confusion agitation combativeness potentially hallucinations mm -hmm. or delusions yeah you know delusions meaning obviously making up stories you know um so so obviously it's a main concern and and i think you know um you know when they're living in their own house you know it can become obviously pretty stressful right yeah and caregivers caregivers are getting younger now yes i mean we've had caregivers i think the youngest caregiver who came to one of my classes he was only maybe 18 19 mm -hmm. and he was caring for his grandma mm -hmm. you know they didn't have any close relatives living in town you know he was here for school and you know he, he lives with grandma and she got diagnosed and that's you know, she relies on him a lot. So um, he's dealing with the stress of going to school, working, and also caring for his grandmother with the disease too. So it affects young people for sure. And the reality, you know, for some of these caregivers, um, especially the ones that live at home, you know, it, it is uh, impressive of how much work and how much stress, you know, they eventually require. These people, especially advanced uh, older adults with dementia, mm -hmm. they need 24-7 care. They oh, cannot yeah. be left alone. So the amount of time that, you know, some of these, uh, you know, patients required, you know, especially if they live at home, compared to others that they don't live at home, you know, obviously is, is very, very concerning. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, obviously when we talked about, you know, people, you know, that they're the caregiver recipients, you know, most of the people that, you know, especially in these days, obviously most of them, they're older adults. Uh, mm -hmm. However, it may be other population that, you know, may require caregiving care, you know, that mm -hmm. they may have a physical condition uh, that uh, may require the same amount. But, you know, for sure, in my population, in our population, memory loss or dementia by far is the number one uh, diagnosis, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you know, for people to take care of. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in the reality, you know, is, uh, you know, is we see it more and more. And, mm -hmm. you know, and as we probably mm -hmm. talked before and we'll talk a little bit more, the older people get, the more prevalence of dementia will be. So, so yeah, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, um, due to um, uh, the diagnosis, I think, you know, there's, it's, you know, and uh, the, fa the fact that, you know, mom and dad cannot live by themselves, they're moving up with, with, uh, with their kids, and, you know, eventually the kids, probably, you know, became the caregivers, mm -hmm. you know, like it or not. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we have an increasing retirement community. You know, I've had people who come to the class and say, you know, we're retired, we moved here from Phoenix, or we've moved here from Kansas, so we see a huge increase in that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and outside of the dementia spectrum, mm -hmm. you know, working with caregivers, uh, I have the caregiving agency where this is this is our area of expertise. You know, we we take over a lot of that one-on-one uh, -on -one individualized care for for the family to give them that break, that respite care. Mm -hmm. And it's when when you're looking outside of the dementia diagnosis, you're you're seeing a lot of chronic diseases that are are the number one cause for needing caregiving uh, in the senior population. That it, it's so prevalent to not just have just diabetes but also uh, have CHF or have hypertension or something like that that exacerbates 
uh, each other. Every every disease process exacerbates each other. So mm-hmm. the, what I've noticed and what I preach more often is education is the key for caregivers. Okay, uh, when we talk about the fear of the unknown, the reason why they call the Alzheimer's Association for assistance and guidance or the reason why they ask for a company like mine to go in there and help them is because they honestly do not know how to treat their loved one and how to care for their loved one. So Mm -hmm. just a little education goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we have our skills for dementia caregiving. You're very right. Mm -hmm. You know, we sit with them two hours a week for six weeks and we go over everything. Everything from communicating with your loved one, understanding behaviors, understanding, um, you know, the things that they're going through and how to approach it. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of caregivers are like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, I don't know how to react if he says something or does something, you know, and that's why we have those classes so they can get an idea of, look, you know, if there's an issue, we can talk about it here. And then we could also teach you how to, you know, react the next time, you know, if that issue comes up. I agree. And, and I think one of the things that Adrian said is, uh, you know, obviously Alzheimer and dementia being the, the more prevalent diagnosis for the caregiver recipient. But, you know, for sure, uh, congestive heart failure, you know, uh, mm-hmm. different types of cancer, oh, yeah. um, you know, chronic pains, chronic arthritis, you know, for sure, you know, obviously strokes, history mm-hmm. stroke, you know, they become a very debilitating diagnosis that obviously, you know, they're, you know, main part of the uh, diagnosis that the caregiver that the, the, the caregivers uh, are taking care of. But the reality, as you said, you know, I think, you know, one thing that I always said is you treat the, treat the whole patient. And, Correct. you know, when it comes to a combination, you know, these mm-hmm. patients, they just don't have CHF mm-hmm. or congestive heart failure. They have congestive heart failure. They have, they have uh, problems with chronic back pain. They have the dementia. So, you know, obviously it's a combination of multiple factors that make the caregiving even harder and harder. There's you know, another subsect too, doctor, that is people who are caring for their loved ones that's more of an emergent scenario. So, for example, fresh out of surgery from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, you know, mom goes in for a surgery. She's going to need someone to help her out for a little while until she can get back on her feet again if she gets back on her feet again. Right. Those folks also are feeling the, the stressors and rigors. It may not be the long term, the five years, medium, four years, but it, it's, it's a short term uh, extreme stress that they have to endure. I agree. Right. You know, to be honest, you know, I, 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 you know, when I see these patients, they come to me and I see their kids, you know, pretty much, you know, take them, take, you know, take over their life. And as you said, you know, it may be just um, recent surgery. Mom cannot go home. You know, for now she's gonna come to with me, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually how to how eventually their 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 life is changed completely, mm-hmm. um, just because of the needs of, of mom and dad and. Um, and yeah, you know, definitely, um, you know, it can be this short term, long term, and especially when it comes to short term, you know, when it comes long term, you might be psychological, you know, prepare for, mm-hmm. for eventually because of the diagnosis, mm-hmm. but it may come tomorrow. You know, mom suddenly sure. had a fall, fracture hip, guess what? You know, mom is mm-hmm. coming home and, right. um, you know, and not only son or daughter may not be ready, but the whole family, you know, I think changing, as you said, the mm-hmm. whole dynamic of the family changed. Right. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'm pretty sure that you know, there's a lot of people here that come with me and they feel they feel the overwhelmed and they feel the kind of sad at the same time that, you know, is um, they feel bad feeling that they're overwhelmed. But, you know, unfortunately, it is uh, it is something that it, it happens. Sure. Yeah. You know, one thing that I hear often in my line of work, um, I hear this from the actual client themselves, the person themselves that's requiring the caregiving, okay? Mm-hmm. When we talk about the caregivers, we also have to include the thoughts and the feelings of the, of the recipient of the caregiving. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that I get told is, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I've heard that phrase mm-hmm. more often than any other phrase when it comes to caregiving. Yeah. They, 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 don't want to be the baby again. You know how a long time ago in a future podcast, I said once a once an adult, twice a child. They don't want to go yeah. back to that. They don't want their children to have to rear them as, as they would rear a child, you know, or care for them like they would have to care for a child. So that burden, that stress of actually needing a caregiver is also something that, you know, has to be brought up and, and recognized. So as right, a caregiver, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's an easy thing to just, in an emergent scenario, just hunker down. Okay, let's get this. Let's help mom. Let's take care of her. Yeah. Okay, we're doing it. But at the same time, 
we have to take into account how's mom feeling about this what does she think about having to need a little right. bit of caregiving for a little bit of time till I heal, you know, oh, yeah. uh, all that has to be asked as well. So we also have to address the patient's point of view uh, as I guess. Yeah, that's very true. We yeah. hear that a lot too. Mm-hmm. In our classes, we have people come in, you know, I, I want to help my dad, but you know, he's living on his own. He says he's got it, but he wants to be driving when he shouldn't be driving or, you know, he's, there's been issues of him forgetting, you know, to, turn off the stove and things like that and he says no i'm fine it's just it's just part of old age mm-hmm. you know they play it off like oh it's nothing to really worry about it's just mm-hmm. me getting older type of thing you know what resources are available if you wanted to know uh the difference between basic memory loss or mm-hmm. something that's a, a dementia related disease well we have different classes different topics um the two main big ones that i think people really get an in-look of how the disease is working and what mm-hmm. to what signs to look out for is knowing the 10 warning signs. Okay. So we tackle everything from the memory issues, personality changes, um, mood swings, things like mm. that. And then we also go into the basics of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. What exactly is Alzheimer's? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Um, what types of Alzheimer's do we have? You know, the, we say that dementia is like that umbrella term, and then under that umbrella are different types, right? Right. Alzheimer's being the most common one, right? So we go over that, you know, learning the differences, because people are like, well, I don't know what the difference is between dementia and Alzheimer's is, you know? So we kind of tackle that too, you know, yeah. in our classes. Doctor, how do you hear the question come up more often uh, in your line of work when you're talking with your patients and the families? When they start asking, how do I know when to uh, uh, do the test or how do I, you know, follow that course to see if we're going to get a diagnosis or we're not going to get a diagnosis? Yeah, most, most of the patients that come here, you know, obviously they come with a concern either by themselves or by a family member mm-hmm. who has said, oh, by the way, I think mom, her memory is not good. And that's how mm-hmm. usually that's uh, uh, our, our uh, kind of red flag. You know, us right now, as uh, Medicare requires to do a wellness study every year. So the uh, cognitive testing is part of the screening test. Okay. So any patient, you know, 65 and older should have a cognitive test every year, regardless if they have symptoms or not, or regarding if they suspect or not. But, mm-hmm. you know, since we have a geriatric practice and we specialize here in memory loss, you know, obviously most of the patients, they come, they come because they, they they're know. concerned already, right. you mm-hmm. know, especially not only from, you know, as I said, most probably from a family member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Another thing that I wanted to talk to um, Alexis is that, you know, mm-hmm. when we talked about, you know, the, the, the caregivers, you know, we were talking about mom, you know, mom being the caregiver recipient, concern about, you know, be having a burden. But obviously, as a caregiver, you know, the caregivers sometimes I come, the patients come here and I said, how, you know, I always tell them, how are you doing? Because mm-hmm. obviously the incidence of anxiety, depression is very high on the caregivers. And I think depression comes, you know, Two, two, I think comes majorly from two factors. One of them is because they're overwhelmed over the situation. Mm-hmm. I think because caregiving has taken over her life. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a little bit concern of guilt because, you know, is um, sometimes they don't feel that they're doing the best for mom. Mm-hmm. And that right. gives them like, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm just don't know if I'm doing the right job. I'm not, I don't know if I'm the right person. Mm-hmm. However, maybe I'm the only one because I'm the only daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, and as I said before, the caregivers, you know, are not young anymore. They're not teenagers. So, mm-hmm. so you know, when, from your point of view, when caregivers come to you and you find that they potentially would be a high risk or potentially you may suspect that they may be a risk for depression of anxiety, uh, what kind of your recommendation and what kind of resources the Alzheimer's Association has for these kind of caregivers? Well, for sure, I'll, we recommend a couple of resources. You know, we have a Doniana County resource list that lists all types of services that are in town. It could be, you know, if you need to speak to a therapist, um, you know, you need to see your primary doctor, things like that. And then, of course, we always recommend support groups. Mm -hmm. Support groups are so important. It relieves so much stress from a caregiver when they're in the same room with other caregivers going through the same thing and knowing that, oh, I'm connecting with this person. She actually gets it or he actually gets what I'm going through. It really allows them to kind of let everything out 
And then afterwards, they feel more motivated, energized. They get to ne- connect with other people who are going through the same thing. And so they create friends that way. So they start to socialize again. They start to feel more comfortable with talk, actually talking about it. I, I think one of the main uh, advice that I tell you know people mm-hmm. who are caregiving for a, a patient of mine, I said, what are you doing in your extra time? Are mm-hmm. you having some time off? Who is helping you? Because at some point, you know, I always tell people, and I, I said it today, actually, but, you know, I said, well, you know, you know, you need to have your time off. You know, you need it. And at the end of the day, to be honest, I tell them, you know, those two hours or those three hours that you're going to Walmart and kind of do your shopping and kind of mm-hmm. refresh yourself, believe it or not, they're as helpful as for you as they're for your husband. Because, you mm-hmm. know, now you come refreshed, you come in a better mood, you come more energized is something that is needed. And I always want to think that I always encourage caregivers is make sure you take your time off. It's right. well yeah. needed. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to find somebody who covers you, even though like companies like caregiving services like Crossroads here, uh, Adrian, you know, you need to make sure that you have somebody who has a backup at least to help you. And I think something important that it is mm-hmm. true is if you're only the caregiver for mom and dad, you know, you need to start thinking about a plan B just in case something happens to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, mm-hmm. we do see it. I'm pretty sure you guys see it all the time that people mm-hmm. call you regarding, you know, I'm suddenly going to need to have an emergency surgery. Mom is, you know, I'm the only caregiver for mom. Mom is in my house. What should I do? Right. Mm-hmm. So so obviously yeah. that's, that's a concern, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And we do have a respite reimbursement program. So basically that program, if the caregiver needs a break. It could be two hours a day, a weekend, whatever it may be. And, you know, they want to hire an uh, in-home care agency like Adrian's to come in and, you know, watch mom or dad or whatever it may be and for a couple hours. And so what we can do is if they pay out of pocket, we can reimburse them up to 400 to even $600 for services. So it kind of alleviates the financial burden of, you know, having to pay for something out of pocket, especially. And the requirement for that is very simple, correct? Yep. Simple requirement, they just need a doctor's note stating that the person has been diagnosed with some type of dementia or other types of dementia, things like that, and then um, that they live in the same home together. Yeah, I think Very I think simple. that's something huge. You know, I think yeah. something that, you know, not a lot of people know, mm-hmm. and obviously that's something that, uh, um, you know, that's uh, a program that the Alzheimer's Association uh, about, you know, they have for, for respite, and I think this is uh, something that, you know, us as doctors, especially taking care of dementia, we should be more aware and we should probably, you know, uh, present more to the people that they do have that option right. if they, mm-hmm. you know, talk to you guys with the Alzheimer's Association. You yeah. know, Dr. Alexis has done a really good job of putting on this program that we have here in Las Cruces. Uh, I think they're doing it a little bit more throughout the state of New Mexico. Uh, it's the boot camps. Yes. Used to be our, our caregiver yeah. conference. Conference, yeah. But uh, we've condensed it. We made it into a boot camp. Okay, so it's it's a half-day training, just immersive training mm-hmm. and we have some brilliant people i'm not gonna say myself included but i'm <laughs> one of the presenters and uh we have some brilliant people who work in the community here uh, in our town and they present on the very subjects in regards to the disease process it's, it's just a really crash course into the disease and uh one of the well the the segment that i teach is mm-hmm. the caring for the caregiver okay mm-hmm. and what that is is that's talking about how do we self love how do we heal ourselves because the old adage if if you're broken you're not fixing anything okay uh it's how to take care of yourself and make yourself the best caregiver you can be a lot of it when i get towards the end of my presentation you 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 get to notice that my focus is on sleep (laughs) (laughs) the one thing that a caregiver just does not have this cannot lack of sleep it's it's Mm -hmm. impossible to get sleep uh i deal with it you know uh, a lot of us deal with insomnia or just not being able to sleep just the stress keeps you from sleeping so there's yeah. uh, there's tips and techniques that if a caregiver is listening to the program right now you could really easily just research uh, 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 different types of techniques and how to sleep if you want to do meditation or uh, i preach in my program uh, grounding yourself, you know, mm-hmm. it's a psychological yeah. grounding of yourself so that you can release some of that stress, the actual physical tension in your body, release it, and then practice yoga breathing. When you practice yoga breathing, you tend to kind of just really slow yourself down to the point where, okay, 
focused on myself, now I can sleep. I mean, just even yeah. thinking about it, my voice goes to oh, that yeah. area. Yeah. And and those are, you know, little tips and techniques that uh, uh, caregivers really should put in their pocket and utilize. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah. they're doing a job that I pay people yeah. to do, yeah. and they're doing it for free. Yeah. You know, it's not mm-hmm. easy work. You've said it before. It's yeah. hard being a caregiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, Going back, you know, when I was talking about the possibility of uh, caregiver experiencing some anxiety, some depression, you know, when you talked about caregiving and that, you know, what they're doing for their caregiver recipient, like activities of daily living or independent activities of daily living, you know, the most common activity uh, or ADL, activity-dependent living that, you know, actually caregivers do is actually move people. And, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I always kind of concern, especially when they're patients of mine that they're actually taking care of uh, or being caregivers of the husband or wife is, you know, take care of yourself because, you know, I have seen so many people that they injure their back or I have seen so many people that actually ended up falling, fracturing a hip, trying to help the husband or wife. Right. So, so, you know, for sure, you know, um, you know, we, um, we as a, as a, as a provider, you know, obviously we, we're very concerned about this, uh, uh, caregivers, not only that they're healthy, but also that uh, they're strong enough to take care of them. Because we, you know, last year, uh, no, two years ago, me and Adrian, we tried to work in a little um, fair, I get health fair, that we were trying to help caregivers know how to move and how to uh, do some different maneuvers, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, for their caregivers. Because we understand that, you know, they, they, they don't know the right technique. Sure. They don't, uh, they potentially, the way that they're doing it, they can injure themselves. And... Um, and obviously, um, you know, this is something that, you know, I, mean, I think we do we do see on a daily basis mm-hmm. uh, about um, not being able to have the proper training regarding uh, these right. issues. Mm-hmm. And, and since we haven't done that actual, that training, that seminar in quite some time, it, we, we have to ask, if we're a caregiver listening to this podcast, okay, great, doctor, but how do I learn how to do a, a proper transfer technique or how do I learn how to take care of my loved one and be the caregiver? Where are the resources for that? One thing I can point out is that uh, there, there, there's a, a good substantial utilization of home health here in the United States, not just in Las Cruces, but in the entire United States. Mm-hmm. It's a growing trend. Hospitals discharging home health, skilled nursing facilities discharging home health, discharging back to the family caregiver, Okay. What I would ask or, or recommend is ask your home health agency. Next time the physical therapist comes to do a visit, a routine visit, just simply ask them, would you mind showing me how to get mom out of bed so I don't hurt her? Would you mm-hmm. show us how to get her in and out of the car so I make sure I'm doing it right? So not only do I not hurt her, but I don't break my own back doing it. You know, it's a simple question. And I think a lot of people, when they're in the caregiving world and they're the caregiver themselves, they don't want to ask questions because when you ask questions internally, they feel like maybe they think, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll get in trouble, what what have you. Yeah. But uh, nobody will tell them, oh, don't don't ask me questions. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Uh, any good clinician will be more than happy to educate and try to calm those fears a little bit. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. You know, for sure, that's something that we always ask. You know, um, you know, one of the things that you know when we talked about caregiving, you know, obviously there are different levels. You know, we have talked more about you know the husband or the wife that they take care of uh uh they take care of the, the husband or wife you know and pretty much you know potentially could be 24 7 but you know there's sometimes you know there are patients that they're maybe they're independent uh, to mm-hmm. some degree mm-hmm. they live mm-hmm. in an independent living they meet they live in an assisted living and they may just require certain uh, independent activities of daily living that they mm-hmm. like you know transportation you know how many how many of their kids they brought mom and dad to the doctor they come mm-hmm. from an assisted living independent living they just mm-hmm. don't drive and maybe that's the only you know, uh, activity or, or, uh, you know, that they require from, from their caregivers in this sure. case, their mom or dad, you know, financially, they know some of them, they, they take care of their own finances. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes they, they help with, uh, arranging their medications or, or different other services, you know, let's not count out. We talk about the ADLs. We talk about all the stuff that caregivers are doing for it. The most underrated service of any caregiver is simply companionship. Yeah. Just talking with someone, yeah. just mm-hmm. being there for them, being a friend, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the one thing that I've noticed 
if you add that companionship part of to any part of the ADLs that you're assisting with, then yeah, you're you're gonna be successful and you're doing a good job. Yeah, and they need that reassurance to mm-hmm. say, you know, this person is here to help me, mm-hmm. and they care mm-hmm. about me, mm-hmm. and they want to make sure I'm comfortable and safe. It's it's something as simple as that. Right. That right. I think that's a huge point. That's a huge point for sure that we sometimes maybe become forgotten, and that's true. Mm-hmm. I think mean, you know some of these people, the only thing that they need is just a little bit of a a little bit somebody to talk to. Talk to. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the other thing that is becoming a little more complicated when there's, uh, you know, being a caregiver 2020 is how complicated healthcare is coming. You oh, know, for yeah. sure, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now oh, being able to, you know, uh, monitor the health of mom and dad is really becoming a challenge, not only because there may be multiple doctors involved, there may be multiple medications involved, mm-hmm. Um and you know, and and eventually, because in general, I hate to say it, me as a as a as a physician, is the communication, you know, between uh, uh, providers and the family members and patients. Eventually, sometimes not is not the best. So I think you know, I think the caregivers these days not only they monitor health, they monitor medications, they monitor you know communication between other doctors, home health nurses, caregivers. You know, it's 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 a it's a work that is you know Since being an advocate. Overload. It's a work mm-hmm. that is becoming harder and harder, and Correct. definitely more complicated. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So so how has uh, medicine addressed that? Let's say using technology. Well, it, okay. Well, you know, I, I guess you know, electronic medical records sure. was here to address that issue, and to some degree, it has helped. I think you know something that I we always encourage for our patients. And uh, is uh, being part of a patient portal. Mm-hmm. And patient portal, for the ones who don't know, is basically you have access, you know, to your medical records. And there is a portal that you have. You create your own uh, uh, account, and you have access not only to see your your medical records, but you have access to see your medications. You can you can request medication refills. You can make appointments. Some yeah. of patient portal, you can actually pay your bills. Yeah. So those definitely encourage a lot of you know uh, communication between the provider. And the family members. Some mm-hmm. of the family members, you know, some of the patients that I have may not have access to a computer, but we have access to the POA or the daughter, whoever the, the patient allowed us to to give access to. So mm-hmm. I think that has helped tremendously so when right. it comes from primary care. Mm-hmm. However, you know, as, as we said, you know, sometimes the patients come and they have like five doctors mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when things get a little more complicated. And every doctor is yeah. prescribing yeah. Uh, maybe even yep. multiple and they're giving all kinds of information <laughs> out and it's like right. what what do i even mm-hmm. who do who's my point of contact here mm-hmm. really so yeah so that mm-hmm. that that for sure has made it complicated you know i would say i would love to say that electronic records has been the solution but obviously that's not the case it's you only know part of the solution it's right? only part mm-hmm. of the solution unfortunately you know there's every single entity has different e- electronic medical records so that make it a little bit harder to communicate you know communicate all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's eventually the goal. However, it seems to me that we're far from there. Right. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. you're so right. When you're talking about the portal access, that has helped me in my personal life be able to manage my my uh, medical history, manage mm-hmm. where I'm having my appointments, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's super useful. And I think um, if caregivers now knowing that they can actually use that to their advantage, that would help alleviate some of that the stress of the of the lack of communication. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest, you know, when we talked about, you know, the caregiver, how complicated it is, especially because, you know, not only patients are having more chronic medical conditions, but you need to understand that a lot of the caregivers do a lot of the nursing care too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're oh, talking yeah. about, you know, you're thinking about, you know, patients that they have a Foley catheter, mm-hmm. patients that may have a colostomy, uh, patients that may have um, a feeding tube, Patients that may have a chronic wound, you know, some of the caregivers, you know, potentially with the help of the home health, but mm-hmm. obviously that's not always the case, not always mm-hmm. you know, they actually providing this nursing care mm-hmm. to uh, uh, their family members and obviously not, you know, most of them without any good or any good training or advice from a health health healthcare provider. Yeah. Caregivers have multiple roles. I mean, so many, they're the nurse, they're the cook, Mm -hmm. they're the financial advisor, they're 
um, you know, transportation, transportation, <laughs> medication. I mean, they do it all for sure. one person and then they still have to manage themselves too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. another thing, you know, they put all their focus on their loved one that they start to not take care of themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. When it came to this medical and nursing task that, you know, the caregivers uh, uh, potentially do, they said 43% felt that they were, their training was, they didn't, they never got trained or right. it was not enough. It's inadequate. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously, you know, they're kind of doing on the mercy of uh, potentially, hopefully recommendations from, uh, from the doctor. But, you know, some of these recommendations may come from the neighbor, the friend, or mm-hmm. just taking on their own, basically. Or potentially the pharmacist. You know, I know that a lot of people go and ask the pharmacist, what should I do here? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest, as a, as a geriatric doctor, as a primary care doctor, you know, sometimes this information is not brought to me. Right. You know, as you said, I think you just mentioned it, you know, right on. You know, when people feel like, oh, well, should I ask? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just not at the right question. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, there's no silly question here obviously right. all questions are are very important because obviously when those questions come that's when you find out hey you know sure. you're right well i didn't know that you were doing this well i didn't know that you know that catheter had not been changed for a while so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and a lot of people i've heard it before and i'm not saying it happens here but you you hear from time to time that uh, a doctor's office the doctor doesn't give the patient enough time right right mm-hmm. uh, i think mm-hmm. The, 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 the reason for that is because they're not asking enough questions. Mm-hmm. If the doctor's sitting back looking at the board, looking at the laptop and saying, okay, do you got anything else? That's your perfect time. Get exactly. some more time. Yeah. Ask them a question. That's always what I recommend to my caregivers. Whenever you go to your primary doctor or a specialist, I mean, write things down that you have in mind to ask Mm -hmm. before you go. Cause you may get there and they may ask you, is there anything else you may need? Or, you know, any, any questions you have? And you're like, no, I think I'm fine. You know, things like that. But you know, it's always good to write those questions down. That way you don't forget once you meet with a doctor. Let me tell you another, another big thing that is happening these days is that, you know, you know, 55% of the people who are taking care of family member, they ended up in the hospital at least once every year, mm-hmm. at least every other year. So, you know, as we already know, when people come out of the hospital, then the whole situation changed. Right. You mm-hmm. know, mom, you know, now, you know, if she was a little more in the, you know, now she was a little more independent. Now, guess what? You know, her mobility has been compromised because of that hip fracture, because, you know, or because of their, her heart condition. Now she's mm-hmm. not able to do as much as she used to do. Now, mm-hmm. um, the tasks that I was that I'm required to do now, they're obviously more uh, demanding. Um, you know, now there is uh, new medications that I need to coordinate. Now I need to coordinate with home health. I need to take mom to different doctors. So, so obviously, hospitalization bring so much new stresses and new demands to the caregiver. You know, and unfortunately, you know, hospitalization and rehospitalizations, you know they're here to stay unfortunately you know and yeah, um so 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 i guess um you know i guess alexa i'm gonna ask you how what would a caregiver you know what is your best recommendation for caregivers you know to prevent situations come out of hand that patients end up in the hospital you know i can mm-hmm. tell you as a doctor you know i'm gonna mm-hmm. say you know and i always said it you know please bring mom and dad for any little thing you know don't let it go you know because sometimes people come here and then Oh, by the way, you have pneumonia. Oh, well, you know, mom has been coughing for the last seven days. Well, you know, you should have bring her sooner, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, so I guess, uh, is there any advice that the association gives for those kind of situations? I mean, almost basically the same thing. You know, once you see something that's off or different with your loved one, I mean, call the doctor right away. Don't even wait on it because mm-hmm. it could just escalate from there to where they could be hospitalized and then, you know things can get worse from there. So we always recommend, you know, if you see something, say something, write it down, take notes, um, you know, make sure you're, keep a daily log sometimes, you know, if you notice that your loved one is, you know, maybe they haven't been drinking as much water lately or they're sleeping more, you know, things to look out for. Definitely see a doctor first, for sure. I think something that I was concerned here Mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, reading is that 13% of the caregivers 
of uh, family members who were recently discharged from the hospital, they did not get any advice or recommendation for any healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, I'm pretty sure the hospitals are working hard, but I still see it, you know, on a daily basis, how many people come here and they're completely lost of, you know, one instruction, what they should do, what, you know, to be honest, sometimes they're lost of what really what happened or what they were diagnosed right. or what mm-hmm. did the, you know, and they know that, you know, they did a CAT scan. What did the CAT scan show? Well, I don't know. Nobody told me anything. I guess it was normal. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just this, this communication. And, you know, one thing that I, I hate to say it, but, you know, you know, medicine these days because of uh, being so complicated, it was not the good old days when, the doctor that you were seeing in the clinic, it was the same doctor in the hospital, it was the same doctor in the nursing home. Right. Now you have different doctors. So mm-hmm. imagine, you know, you have your primary care doctor, you ended up in the hospital with pneumonia, you ended up in the skilled nursing facility. So now you suddenly have like four, you know, three, four different doctors because most of them, they're being seen by hospitalists that guess what? They may change a shift on a daily basis. So, um, so there's so many doctors and, the, you know, the communication, not only to the patient, but also to the caregiver gets so confused and and eventually, um, you know, gets gets missed. Doctor, do you mm-hmm. n- notice any increase in? Um, uh, there's there's a, a a way to end every conversation, every education that you have with a patient, where you you have them verbalize and demonstrate understanding, right? Yeah, yeah. So so usually at the end, of, you know, especially if I'm teaching something, you know, I need to make sure that they do understand. Um, but you know, I seeing as you said before, I think every time that you know patient come, especially come out of the hospital. You know, we, um, I try to, you know, kind of ask at the end, you know, really, do you have any questions, any concerns? One thing that it will be good to mention here and some of our program that my practice is doing is something called chronic care management. Mm-hmm. And chronic care management, for the people who don't know, is, is really trying to coordinate your care, you know, um, outside the office. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure, we try to help you as much as you can when you come here, but we want to start helping from the moment that you got out of the hospital. And a lot of the chronic care management, you know, we try to do some here at the office, but obviously, you know, that's when home health, mm-hmm. you know, becomes so important, you know, especially when people would come out of the hospital because, you know, obviously to prevent rehospitalization. So Adrian, from your experience from home health, you know, what are the main things that your that home health do, you know, to really prevent rehospitalizations and to train these caregivers after hospitalizations. The the biggest thing that uh, that home health is doing it's the medication reconciliation. You know, we talked about having so many different doctors that are prescribing uh, medications, and who who knows if they're communicating with each other. More than likely, they're not. So when we get that list, we go to the house and we ask them, "Let me see all your medications." They will bring out literal trash bags full of different types of medications. Some they're taking, some they're not taking. Maybe they can afford it. Maybe they can't afford it. There's Mm -hmm. so many different types of medications that that our patients are on. uh, And some of them may counteract each other or they may have uh, interactions with each other that are harmful, you know, or they could be prescribed, one doctor prescribing the generic and the other doctor uh, prescribing the, the name brand. And now they're double dosing. You know, yeah. so that's the, the, the first thing that a home health agency should be and more than likely are doing is that medication reconciliation. That's the first step in the chronic disease management. OK, making sure that the medications are working and they're organized, setting them up on a pillbox, making sure that when they go on their next uh, visit, are they opening up that pillbox and said you took Monday, Wednesday, Friday. How come you didn't take Tuesday and Thursday? Oh, I forgot. Well, that's something that needs to be written down because now the patient isn't taking the medication correctly. So is it being, uh, is it working, you know, when you're only taking a little bit more than half the dose, right? So that's stuff that has to be uh, uh, reconciled. And then that has to be communicated to the physician. So the physician can make uh, changes to any medications, uh, maybe uh, do the extended release if we know they're having a harder time remembering to take it. You know, things like that. That communication has to happen between the nursing staff and the doctor's staff, and then you see proper outcomes start to form. And I agree. I think the number one reason uh, for rehospitalization is uh, medication compliance. You know, mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, patient went to uh, conscious heart failure. He was given a diuretic. Guess what? For X or Y, he got confused. He mm-hmm. didn't take it or he didn't take the right dose. You know, start gaining weight, ended up back in the hospital. You know, a patient with an infection, pneumonia, I didn't ever receive the antibiotics, Mm -hmm. you know, then suddenly the pneumonia is back, you know, Mm -hmm. then a patient with a 
you know, blood thinners. I guess the blood thinner was not, you know, I didn't know the right dose. Then I overtook it or I didn't take enough, you know, or, you know, or, you know, the other thing that uh, for sure is very common is falls, you know, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. mom, you know, fractured hip come out. Obviously, she's very unsteady. I thought that she I could do those things to the, at home. And uh, and suddenly, uh, mom is falling again. Especially with patients with dementia, you know, they have a lot of uh, poor safety awareness. You know, they get confused. They thought that you know they could go to the restroom, and then guess what? Next time they're falling again. Mm -hmm. right. So, so obviously, you know, I agree with Adrian. You know, uh, medication reconciliation, you know, is some of the things that home health has done very good, and by far, it's number one, ta you know, number one thing that you know uh, they can do to prevent rehospitalization. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, obviously, you know. Let's go back a little bit about, I think we already addressed a little bit, is the impact that, you know, the caregiving has on people's work. And, and I oh, think, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, what things, you know, eventually, you know, workplace, you know, especially looking into the future, looking mm -hmm. into that we're going to be more, you know, we, we talked about 45 million caregivers. Well, guess what? You know, I have said it before. This is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, mm -hmm. the, the number of caregivers in the next five, 10, 20 years is, is just going to increase. Right. And the uh, aging caregivers too. Correct. I mean, some, I've had a gentleman who, you know, he was looking forward to retirement. Then wife got diagnosed and he's still working. He has to work in order to cover, you know, services and in order to be able to take care of his wife essentially, but he can't retire, you know? Yeah. And I think some things that, you know, some of the workplaces have done is, you know, that I provide, you know, to these caregivers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, first of all, you know, I think, you know, 50% of the people who are caregivers, actually their employee know that they're actually taking care of somebody. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of them, they have, you know, like flexible work hours. They have like pay sick days. They have a uh, pay leave uh, or they have programs, you know, the workplace may have problems to help them as a caregivers. Or potentially they have like ways that they can work from home, you know, right, yeah. you know, by telecommunicating or, you know, potentially, you know, with computers, a lot of the work potentially could be done at home. But, I, but I think that, um, I think this, you know, regardless, you know, it still impacts, you know, uh, you know, obviously work for these people, you know, as Adrian said, you know, they get late, they leave early, they take time off, uh, they uh, leave a leave of absence, they reduce mm -hmm. their work hours. Uh, they give up working entirely, you know, yes. for sure we do mm -hmm. see that, you know, they, re, uh, they receive uh, warnings about performance or potentially they turn down a promotion because, you know, if that's going to require more time, guess what? Yeah. I can't, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them, you know, obviously they retired, uh, you know, early just because, uh, you know, now I just kind of take need to take care of mom. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, obviously that's that's a major impact in the economy. And, and I think, you know, I'm a little bit concerned, you know, what potentially will be the future. Right. If for if, if whatever reason we don't develop uh, different programs that potentially will help take care of our older population. One of the programs that's currently, it, it, it's, it's being implemented in several states across the United States, but it's not widely accepted and it can be. Um, forget me for not uh, forgive me for not knowing the exact legislation that's it's a, it's going to come out but that's um, being able to take caregiver leave as part of your PTO yeah. it's actual mm -hmm. caregiver leave where uh, you know legally they can receive in in some states 60 to 70% of their of their uh, weekly income mm -hmm. uh, but still be able to take the time off to take care of a of a of a loved one that's something that's going to be a national push right now. California, the the whole entire West Coast is doing it. It's not here in New Mexico or in Texas, but uh, it's going to be something that's a national push. And in fact, here in New Mexico, there is some legislation that's stating um, they're going to allow caregivers to take time off uh, and paid time off mm -hmm. as a valid reason for using your PTO to take care of your loved one. And that's mm -hmm. legislation that's coming down the wire here soon. Mm -hmm. I, I think something that, you know, that I would like to summarize here for especially for the caregivers that are listening today is, you know, if you're a caregiver, um, you know, I guess my best and most advice will be, first of all, take care of yourself, too. You know, for sure. Don't forget about yourself. You know, mm -hmm. we do. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, caregiving has take a lot of your time, has lot take a lot of your uh, a lot of burden has lot take a lot of stress, you know. So I see one of the keys of you know preventing that from happening 
is making sure that you take time for yourself. Do something that you enjoy. You know, if you enjoy reading a book, have time to read a book. If you enjoy doing exercise, have time to do exercise. If you enjoy playing cards with friends, please do so. So I think one of the things is also is make sure that you have a plan. I think plan B is critical. You know, I'm glad that you're taking care of mom right now, but what is going to happen if, you know, if you have ended up with a medical problem? You know, what about if you want to, you know, some of these uh, uh, caregivers, they have kids, grown kids that they live outside, outside the city. You know, suddenly is the graduation for my grandson. Who is going to take mm-hmm. care of mom? You know, or suddenly um, um, mom uh, ended up in the hospital. Like what is going to, you know, who is going to help me for that extra, extra, extra. Uh, extra help that I'm going to need to, uh, to take care of mom after uh, being, uh, being in the hospital. And potentially when there's patients with dementia, you know, we know that dementia is just going to get worse. So right. what is going to long-term for how, you know, what are you going to do? I always tell, what is your plan B for long-term? Especially knowing that, you know, there's patients with dementia, you know, this is going to get worse. If that's, you know, do you have a plan B? Have you thought about, you know, maybe placing uh, to a different facility, bringing more people to help you? You know, I don't know from your point of, point of view, Alexis, I think what do you tell most of, most of the people here regarding, you know, eventually for a long-term plan? You know, it's really important that I know when caregivers call in, there it's not essentially the first thing that they think about is having that plan B. But, you know, we sit down. I have care consultations where I sit with them and I say, you know, if this is what you're doing now, you also got to think about the future. You know, who's going to be taking care of finances? Um, If anything, you know, God forbid anything happened to you, who's going to be the next point of contact for your loved one? So there are different plans and different agencies. I know AARP has a great program um, that can really sit down with the person and give them a guide of, you know, who's going to be point of contact next? You know, what steps do you need to take for the future? So um, we have resources for that that they can definitely reach out to. Adrian, mm-hmm. anything else that you would like mm-hmm. to add? I, I want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you have tons of success stories uh, when it comes to meeting with these caregivers and, and helping educate them. Mm-hmm. What's the one story that, uh, real quickly, that, that, that pops out the most? Tell me your best success story. Well, the it would have to be... Um, so I run an early stage support group at Village at Northrise, and so there was a couple, they were retired from Florida and they moved here. Um, husband got the disease and he's in the early stages and they hesitated to come to the group, you know, and they said that, you know, um, we've been in denial. And then we saw that your association had that support group. So they came in and, and he just, he lit up, he said, I did it think I was gonna like coming to a support group. I'm not really open to sharing my feelings. You know, I was just kind of, I was just going through the, through the motions, but actually sitting down, talking about it with my wife there and other people who are also diagnosed in their spouses and actually sharing what I'm going through means a lot. And, you know, every time he would come to group, he's like, I just came to make you smile, to make you laugh. And, you know, his wife, they had a really neat story. They met online at the age of like 45, 50. And she's like, yep, we knew about the Internet. And somehow we we met each other and we've been together ever since. And, you know, unfortunately, he progressed fairly quickly with the disease and he passed about six months later. But um, that story is really important to me because he actually wrote a book before he passed. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to give me that book and his wife came to me, um, I think the week after he passed and she said, you know, he wasn't able to sign it at the time, but just know that he wanted you to have this and have another laugh. So what's the name of the book? Do you know? Um, it was called memories of mom and dad. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Cause he, he wanted to write down all the stories he had growing up and so he wrote he wrote that book and it was dedicated to his wife and unfortunately he didn't get to sign it but 
I got. I have a copy for. There you go. That's a that's a very mm -hmm. good story to finish. Um, you know, and again, just for uh, caregivers, just please remember, you're not alone. Please reach to family members, reach to uh, providers, reach uh, to uh, support groups. Um, you know, we're we're here with you. Reach out mm -hmm. to us if you want to comment and ask us questions on on stuff that we can talk about that will you know get your attention to help you out. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. We're here for you. Mm -hmm. Alexis, thank you very much for coming today. Thank we you really for appreciate me. it. Adrian, thank you very much for thank today. You, mm -hmm. Again, thank you very much for us to hearing us um, uh, today at Jerry Talks. Uh, please remember to uh, follow, subscribe, or comment uh, on any of the Jerry Talks. Remember, Jerry Talks right now is an uh, um, Apple uh, podcast, uh, it's an. Um, Spotify, Spotify, and Enter. We're on Facebook. Enter and, and Facebook. Yeah, obviously published on Friday. Uh, Fridays on Facebook. So thank you very much, and uh, thank you guys. Let's celebrate aging. Please remember to listen to us on Spotify and Google Play. Watch us at YouTube at Southwest Center on Aging. We can't do this podcast without your questions, so please feel free to leave comments on our channel, and we'll be more than happy to research and get back to you guys. And remember, let's celebrate aging.